Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. Welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, I was recently, I had a friend over, a friend from college. It was really great to have her in town. And she came over to our house and came in and we gave her a little tour of the downstairs. And then she said, what's upstairs? And I looked at her and she looked at the stairs and we sat there silently. And then I was like, Melissa... Stairs don't talk. I mean, that's that's. What would you have tweeted this week, John? That was, even by your standards, <laughs> exceptionally poor. In news of what I would have tweeted this week, I would have tweeted, "Hank and I will be live on tour in Madison, Wisconsin, on August sixteenth, and in Minneapolis, Minnesota, on August eighteenth. You can get tickets Woo. now at hankandjohn.com. Really, the only thing I miss about Twitter, Hank." is promotion. Like, I miss <laughs> telling people about things that I'm doing. If I do have your password, I could tweet about it from your account. No. I could tweet a bunch of stuff from your account. I could just go on there and be like, boop-a-doop, gotta comb my hair, it's John. Oh, God, no, I don't. Well, what if, what if, hear me out here, we yep. made a new microblogging service. Uh-huh. And it's just you. Yeah. And there's no one else on it. Yeah. It's just, it's called John Gwitter. Gwitter. It's called John Gwitter. Yep. And it's just, it's called Jitter Gwitter. Yep. And that's what it's called. And go to jittergwitter.com. You can follow John and only John. This is, is this a thing? Are we, have we accomplished? Have we achieved? It seems like you've reinvented a million dollar idea the here. blog. <laughs> Or just like an email <laughs> newsletter, yeah. Yeah. Listen, to be clear, I don't have any interest in ever returning to <laughs> any part of the social internet. That doesn't mean that I don't miss facets of it, right? Like, in mm-hmm. the same way that there are things I miss about college, but I don't want to go back to college. Yeah, I feel that. Oh, yeah. That's a great point Yes, a college, John. I have not graduated yet. I can't get out. I- I know you haven't graduated, but I will say that from my perspective, you're like a sixth year senior when it starts to be like, hmm, hey, maybe it's time to fly the coop, little birdie. 
<laughs> I I love it. I I don't mind that at all. Compa- go ahead and compare me to to Polly Shore and son-in-law. He seems like he's doing fine. I was gonna say you're more like uh, Ryan Reynolds in that movie Van Wilder. Boy, I that's a that's a deep cut. I dug that out of the recesses <laughs> of my subconscious. I wonder. If Va- I wonder if Van Wilder holds up. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess it's a little problematic. <laughs> All right, let's let's move. Let's let's for God's sakes, let's get to some questions from our listeners before I talk more about Van Wilder. This first first question comes from Jennifer. I love it. It says, "Dear Hank and John, yeah, what's the deal with people waving at each other from boats?" <laughs> it's such a great question. <laughs> it's, it's so true. It's like <laughs> I'll keep reading. I recently went to my parents' camp. Apparently, your parents have a camp sure. where we went out on kayaks and our neighbor's pontoon boat every day, and literally every single person we passed by would wave at us and we'd wave back. Why? It's weird. You don't wave at other people in cars. Explain, please, another green Jennifer. Hello, Jennifer Green, you've given us too much information. Now we can Google you. Except probably not because Jennifer Green sounds like a pretty common name. It's the John Green of ladies. <laughs> this is wild. It's so true. I've, I've also been... In boats. But I know exactly why it is, right? Like, the, we, we all know why this happens. No, I don't. Tell me why. It's the size of the community. Like, if you're right. a Liverpool fan, <laughs> and I am, and you, you're you driving along and you see another Liverpool fan who has, like, the, right. the you know, license plate LFC Jeep or whatever, you, like... <laughs> wave at them and you roll down the window and you're like go liverpool up the reds we won it six times and 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 boat people even though there's a lot of boat people all of them identify as boat people you know what i mean right they they are and they all have sort of like a shared group of margaritaville based values where they all sort of like understand you and i we are we are boat people together and we like and i will say in rural montana when you're driving around out there people wait right like when you're in like you know a place where everybody knows each other and like ultimately even if they don't they they're like sort of still like in the vibe people wave and it's weird to be to like have they, they sort of like they're holding the steering wheel and like the the most minimalist version of it is like four fingers of your right hand go up very briefly. Right. It's like that's the car wave. It's just like acknowledge your existence, which is nice. It is nice. But, like, but it's not realistic in a city where right. you're surrounded by cars. Mm. It's all about the size of the community and the sense of the shared values. Like when I'm on the White River in my kayak, I don't just wave at everyone. I like say hello and potentially have a conversation. The right. other day I was on the yeah. White River and I was paddling upstream and a guy was paddle boarding downstream like, you know, on a surfboard with a with a long mm-hmm. paddle. Yes, it's, it's a thing now. And he yeah. said to me, how far is it to downtown? And I said, what? <laughs> and he said, about how many, how far is it in, in hours to downtown? And I was like, uh, eight? <laughs> Eight, and more importantly, like two miles from here, there's a very deadly dam. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going to want to not. Yeah. So I was like, go over that. Listen, listen, man, why don't you paddle over to the corner there and I'll give you a quick geography lesson. And I I mean, not to brag, but like if I hadn't said hello, what might have right. happened? Right. They don't know. The the police would have had a whole thing to deal oh, with. Oh God. What I mean, you seemed like a sweet kid, but I was like, first off, you're gonna arrive 
at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> you're not going to arrive. <laughs> Secondly, it won't be you that arrives. It will be your oh. stand-up paddleboard oh. and a, a big bag of lifeless meat. Be careful paddleboarding. I mean, also, don't paddleboard on the White River. My God, the place is could... made out of Giardia. <laughs> Oh man, it's 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 wild to be uh like have been alive long enough that like a thing that literally didn't exist is now commonplace. I was walking home from the farmers market this weekend and there were people doing yoga on stand-up paddle boards in the Clark Fork River and I was just like, "Okay, all right, fine. All right. That's what we're doing. For, oh, live your life. For the record, live your... paddle boards existed before you were born. Ah, they weren't everywhere. Now no, they're everywhere. I mean, we, there are lots of things that didn't exist before you were born, like iPads and Uber. But paddle boards <laughs> yeah. definitely existed. Oh, I had never seen one. I saw one one place. I was on vacation and suddenly it was like stand-up paddleboard rentals. And then the next month, there were people on stand-up paddle boards, not even in water. They were just just going down the road. All right. This next question comes from Micah, who writes, Dear John and Hank, sometimes when texting my friends and I'm about to leave for like half an hour, I use BRB, meaning be right back. But, I mean, that makes it seem like I'm going to be right back, which isn't the case. Mm. I would use TTYL, mm -hmm. talk to you later, but this lacks the insinuation that I intend to be back fairly soon, unlike BRB. I understand that you are both not exactly fluent in internet abbreviations. Micah? Excuse me? I, I mean, Micah, where do you get off? <laughs> Who Seriously? do you think you are? <laughs> I was using internet abbreviations in all likelihood when you were not yet in existence. <laughs> Jesus, we're not that old. Micah, What's raise happening? your hand if you first typed BRB in CompuServe in 1992. All right. I think, I, I think only my hand is up, Micah. <laughs> Good God. Okay, continue. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I got to breathe it out. Okay. Hank, I'm a little annoyed. No, seriously, I'm going to be mad about this for a long time. I will be. I'll be thinking about this tonight when I'm falling asleep in bed. I mean, how old does Micah think we are realistically? Does she think that know. we're in our 80s? Is it like, I remember being like 22 years old and when I would look at adults, they all like, they all looked the same between like mm -hmm. 37 and 92. It was just like, it felt like a single thing. Sorry, Mike, I'm getting off topic. You have an, a, a question and it's important. And also, I didn't mean to say all of those negative things about you. I said them because I was hurt and I was feeling defensive. Your question is important. <laughs> it's very healthy, John. And the answer is that when you are not going to be right back, but and you mm -hmm. aren't going to talk to someone later, you're going to be, be, S. Be back soon. Yes, which is confusing because a bulletin board system is also a BBS, but people get it. BBS is the <laughs> Especially one. Especially now, Hank, since nobody <laughs> has thought about bulletin boards <laughs> in 25 years. Uh, certainly not the BBS version. Now bulletin boards have gone back to being physical things. Right. They were a physical thing, and then they were a digital internet thing, and now they're a physical thing again. Do you think that when Facebook ends, people will start printing Facebooks again, and they'll be like, oh, it's like that internet thing. And and I'll be like, no, no. Oh, God, I'm so old. <laughs> 
Anyway. I mean, definitely the, your sentences will end that way. I shaved off a bunch of ear hairs this Ooh, week, John. Boy. And I just want to, uh, they were not all 100% normal, natural, original hair color. Mm-hmm. A little couple of them were a little gray. Yeah. And I was, I was feeling it hard. And then I looked up to see like what I could compare that to and found out that the iPod came out 18 years ago. Mm. So those people are adults now who were born before iPods. Yeah, it doesn't, that doesn't bother me. I, I'm very happy that there are still people being born. And among middle-aged, uh, my middle-aged compatriots, this seems to be something of an unusual perspective. But I quite like that there are younger people than, than I am and that they are like out there doing interesting, cool things, even if some of those right. things make me uncomfortable. Absolutely. Uh, I do not like sh- having to shave off my earlobe uh, hairs. I wish though. that you would. I wish that you would not tell me that. I feel like we should <laughs> put that in a, in a in a in a place <laughs> where you deal with it in therapy or something <laughs> instead of mentioning it on the pod. All right. Thank you. I feel like freaking Yoda over okay. here. But all right. All right. Next thing. We should say, Hank, that our live shows. And yes, I am aggressively transitioning are going to be like live Dear Hank and John's, only I won't let Hank talk about what he just talked about. Uh, But also, there will be a live version of my podcast, The Anthropocene Reviewed, and a live mini version of your podcast with Catherine Delete This. And it's just, it's going to be a great, fun, weird time, and you will not regret it. And at least based on past tours that we've done, there is a small chance that you will meet your future spouse. (laughs) That has happened a few times. It has. It has. Uh, also, Not all of those marriages have lasted, but but some of them have. <laughs> I also want to say that uh, the our Sunday show in Minneapolis yeah. is at 2.30. It's a matinee because you have to be at work in the morning, probably. Yeah. So we didn't do an evening show. We did an afternoon one. Yeah, we're not trying to we're not trying to ruin your Sunday night. That's I don't want yeah. to confuse people. I don't want people to show up at 7.30 and be like, wait, what? So information for yeah. you. Yeah. Also, if you go to the ticket booth, you don't have to pay ticket master fees. All right, Hank, what's our next question? This question comes from Eric, who asks, Dear Hank and John, why are flies? It feels like every day for the last month when I go out for a run, I have flies following me, buzzing around me, landing on that spot right between the base of my neck and the top of my tank top. It got so bad three days ago that I took off my shirt off and was like was waving it around my head like a crazy person in an attempt to keep the flies at bay. How do I tell these flies to buzz off instead of bugging me so I can focus on running? Flymento Mori, Eric. Remember, flies, you must die. <laughs> Eric, you can do one of two things. You can either run much faster, because flies do have a top speed. I don't know what it is, but you have to run faster than flies, which might be very fast, but you must be able to run faster than flies, right? It has to be possible. Run faster than flies. Or two, run extremely slow, by which I mean don't leave the house, which is what I do. No, both of those pieces of advice are terrible. The true advice is that you should wear DEET. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> you can, uh, do you, can you not run faster than flies, John? Theoretically, but Eric and I aren't going to, so we wear insect repellent. And there is this, like, long-time pervasive inaccurate belief that insect repellent is somehow a huge health risk. But in fact, Mm. insect bites are a much larger health risk than insect repellent because, you know, getting a mosquito bite can cause West Nile virus. It can cause all kinds of other 
health problems. I don't want to sound like a shill for the DEET industry, but I <laughs> like we use all kinds of things on our bodies, yeah. like face yeah, creams, shampoos, mm-hmm. all kinds of other things. But for some reason, we really freak out about this one because of one deeply flawed Swedish study from like 30 years ago that has been debunked dozens of times since. So just wear insect repellent. DEET it up. Get that DEET. Oh, I mean, you can get DEET poisoning for the record, but you're not going to get DEET poisoning if you're a normal person using like 10% DEET solution, couple squirts on the ankles, couple squirts on the wrist, couple squirts on the neck. No big whoop. All right. Well, John. Don't spray it in your mouth. Don't drink it. Don't spray it in your mouth. That's uh, also not with shampoo either. Yeah. Face cream doesn't go in the mouth. That's, I mean, right, exactly. But like nobody says like, oh, man, you really shouldn't use shampoo because if you eat it, it can be bad for you. (laughs) All right. You got to run faster than the flies, Eric. You found the hill that I'm ready to fight and die on, Hank. It's the Deet Hill. (laughs) Give me another one, John. Uh, All right. This is a semi-related question from Anna who writes, hello, friends. I feel like we are friends. Me too, Anna. But I mean, like, don't come to my house kind of friends. (laughs) Yeah, when we see each other at a grocery store, friend. Yes, that kind of friendship. I'd like to know what your self-care routine is. What do you guys do to fill up your cups? Mmm, baby giggles is my big one right now. Uh, Just wrestling and playing gonna get ya. I say, gonna get ya, and he says, no, and he runs away. Like that. That's, that's, my, that's pretty that's cute. That's my big self-care. My kids yeah. call that the daddy monster game, and they sometimes still like to play it. Hmm. But I find that I am getting too old to really uh, really enjoy <laughs> chasing after them as much as I did when they were younger. My And slower. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my main self-care is to write, which works out nicely because it is it is also work. But there does come a point Before we started recording the pod, I was telling Hank that I've been working every night for like 15, 18 nights, and that is not great for Mm, me. Even if I'm writing because it fills up my cup a little bit, the cup is getting drained by just not having enough sleep and stuff. The garden is really good for my brain, doing projects outside. Like I built a brick-lined path recently. That was fun. And then the biggest thing is taking baths. (laughs) God, I love to take a bath. (laughs) I've been so busy the last couple of weeks that I haven't been taking as many baths which is a real bummer for me. Uh, I'm sorry about that. I love to watch 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown with Oh my God, I've noticed that you love to watch that. It is all (laughs) over my YouTube recommendations. (laughs) You cannot complain to me 800 different messy highlights videos, Green. I mean, first off, the last couple weeks, it's been almost exclusively Tour de France stuff. (laughs) So... (laughs) Well, and then secondarily, best boxing counter punches that will always be remembered. I mean, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the reason that we get so many messy highlight videos I now. It, I think it might be. I think it might be. When I just went to our watch history just now, I see a bunch of things that are sports related that I did not watch. I can't stop. You've done this to me. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, God. There's such good kicks, John. God. So many interesting kicks. You've watched a lot of YouTube videos since the last time I watched a YouTube video. That's the main thing. Well, I'll tell you what happened. I got home from VidCon and I was like, I need to relax seriously. Yeah. And with really not complicated YouTube content. Yeah, that's why I love that the Tour de France stuff. It's just... Just people riding their bikes and they're, oh, it's so hard. They're working so hard. Yeah. And I want to like, I want to whisper in their ears. I want to be like, you guys know it doesn't matter, right? Like it doesn't matter who gets up the hill first. 
we're all going to die. It's, <laughs> this, is, this is all for nothing in the end. That's what I've realized about soccer. So I didn't like, it's been a really sort of tortuous path for me to like some, some level of appreciation of soccer. But what I realized is it's almost all kicks. Yeah. But they're really good kicks. Incredibly high quality kicking. Even the little kicks are very yeah, good. Yeah, sometimes they're the best. Like that's, I didn't get that. Like sometimes you see those big kicks right. and it's like, oh, it went in the goal and it bent around a bunch of people. But like, like just the little kicks are can, can be really amazing and i'm like wow that was a tiny kick but what a good one yeah yeah it reminds okay. me of a william faulkner quote from his nobel prize acceptance speech of course it does he was talking about writing but he might as well have been talking about football or boxing or really anything i feel that this award was made not to me as a man but to my work a life's work in the agony and sweat of the human spirit not for glory and least of all for profit but to create out of the materials of the human spirit something which did not exist before. That is what soccer is about. Yeah, it's a about bunch of people surprising you with kicks that are made out of the materials of the human spirit which did not exist before. <laughs> yeah. I also would like to ask a related question. Sure. It comes from Deegan, who asks, Dear Hank and John, but mostly John, but maybe not anymore. <laughs> I have listened to your AFC Wimbledon news for as long as it's been a thing, and always I enjoy it and hope for great success for the team. But still, I'm not much of a sports fan. Until the U.S. Women's Championship game, listening to Megan Rapinoe, I have felt inspired to start following soccer. Now I feel totally overwhelmed. Are there any apps you use to follow it? Any specific news site? I figured I'd try to follow AFC Wimbledon, Liverpool, and Rain FC. Help a newbie find their footing, Deegan. Yeah, well, there's an AFC Wimbledon app if you want to follow AFC Wimbledon, oh. and it's great. If you just go to the app store and you search AFC Wimbledon, to say that it's the first result is an understatement. <laughs> uh, and then when it comes to uh, women's football in the U.S., a lot of those games are now being televised on ESPN or ESPN2, and the ones that aren't, I think, are all televised on this ESPN3 app and then you just have to find the communities that work for you. Like, for instance, the Liverpool subreddit is amazing. It's really well moderated. It's lovely people. I'm looking forward to December when I can uh, be back there again. It's the only thing I miss about the Internet, actually. Like, it's, I think it's the only thing that I, I will go back to. Like, I won't unblock all of Reddit, but I will unblock the Liverpool and soccer mm. and AFC Wimbledon subreddits that I like because mm -hmm. it feels like good, positive community building there and maybe the nerd fighters subreddit since that also felt that way to me yeah. yeah so i think those are the those are the places that i would start with also deegan if you want to do my route just watch one youtube video <laughs> of soccer and then just let youtube continue to suggest more of it to you forever <laughs> all right john i have another question uh it's from aman who asks dear hank and john why don't cartoons Change outfits every day like the rest of us, not the supermodel Iman. I never thought of it. What is happening? Why? <laughs> what, a, what world have we forced them into where they have to wear the same clothes every day? Okay, so my assumption has always been not that they wear the same clothes every day, but that they're in a Mark Zuckerberg style situation where they have many 
copies of the same outfit. <laughs> okay, yes. And they have so many demands on their time yeah. as the leader of massive companies that they're trying to decrease the number of choices in their day because they don't want choice fatigue. If you're Elmer Fudd and you've got to spend 16, 18 <laughs> hours a day failing to shoot Bugs Bunny, right, right. you're going to want to wear the same color overalls every day. Like, why should that be a thing you think about? Alternate explanation. Okay. The clothes are actually their skin. Oh, yes. Yes. I think that their clothes might be their skin. Like, I don't know how, how like, things work in cartoon land, but, like, have you ever seen Donald Duck without his shirt on? So what you're proposing is that, like, most of the time when we're watching Mickey Mouse, he's naked. <laughs> Well, he's a mouse. Yeah. Mice are usually naked. Like, that's not weird for a mouse. I would like to confirm, like, a, a number of things have happened since I started talking. One of them is I have now officially Googled Donald Duck without Big shirt. Mistake. So Google knows about that. Not just Google, but also uh, the Russians. <laughs> uh, but the weird thing is that there is a picture of Donald Duck not wearing a shirt, and he's covering his bottom half with his hands, yeah. which is, I will... Remind everyone the half that usually doesn't have anything on it. Yeah. Well, I wish that we could go back in time to before this question. <laughs> like if I had <laughs> a time bad, machine, John? that's the only place I'd go to is like eight seconds ago. And I would just not have to think about all of this. So I think I've disproven my theory, though. I don't think that that Mickey Mouse's skin just happens to have pants on right. it. Right. No, they're all they're a bunch of Mark Zuckerbergs. You can tell that they're all super high achievers. One of the things that I find <laughs> they're all really, really distracting when we meet with Silicon Valley people, Hank. I mean, there's two things. One is that, like, <laughs> they believe their own BS on a level. Oh, yeah, they really, that they really do. Y- you almost never see. <laughs> Like, uh-huh. they, they have no sense of self-awareness. Like, they watch the HBO television program Silicon Valley and they think, what a great documentary. <laughs> but the other thing is that a lot of them do have, like, very specific sartorial strategies. Yeah. And it always makes me want to barf. I feel bad saying that because I know that we're listened to by a lot of Silicon Valley CEOs, but that's it. I'm saying it. It just makes me want to barf. <laughs> well, I just had to Google what sartorial meant because you you do have an element of uh, maybe a little bit of the bourgeois in you re-saying the word sartorial. Okay, yeah. But like, do I also hopefully have like a tiny measure of self-awareness? Yeah. Like if I said the sentence, I don't want to just make a billion dollars. I want to make a billion dollars while saving people from all manner of suffering about a compression mm-hmm. algorithm. Would <laughs> would I be kidding? <laughs> yes, I would be kidding. Would I? Yeah. Would we be aware of the situation? Yeah. Yes. I hope um, so. I feel like that's what it, Indianapolis gives me because I do like go there sometimes. Like I do. Mm-hmm. I do say that stuff out loud. But then like Chris Waters will be like, what the? Shut up. <laughs> Yeah, we definitely uh, provide that check for each other, too, because our pretensions are in different directions. It's true. To some extent. It's true. I will say that wearing clothing as a value signal can work like it worked for Gandhi. OK, so I, and, I, and, I, and I think trying yeah, it's, not a, it's not even a value signal. I, but I think trying to like trying to dress oneself in a way that reflects one's values and beliefs is is good and, and a useful yeah. thing to do. 
I think what I'm trying to say is that the way Mark Zuckerberg dresses makes me want to barf. (laughs) (laughs) What about the way that Donald Duck dresses? To get back to Amon's question. I feel all right about that. Which reminds me that today's podcast is brought to you by Donald Duck's shirt. Donald Duck's shirt, not skin. (laughs) This podcast is also brought to you by Stand Up Paddleboarding Over a Dam in the White River. Not gonna go great. And today's podcast is also brought to you by Deet. Deet. Of course it is. It's fine. He can't stop himself. I can't. And also this podcast is brought to you by The Goodest Little Kicks. Oh, those little ones are real good. Well, for future reference, what you're referring to is called a dribble. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We also have a Project for Awesome message from Dan from Goleta, California. Thanks for donating to the Project for Awesome, Dan. Dan writes, I hope this doesn't come across as too saccharine or cliche, but I want to assure those listening, possibly myself included, who are going through a period of self-doubt or high anxiety or depression, you're worth just as much as the next person and you're not alone and you will be okay again. Please be kind to yourself because you deserve kindness. And of course, don't forget to be awesome. What a, what a lovely way to spend Woo! your Project for Awesome message, Dan. Thank you. Woo! I think there. This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by ZocDoc. Look, there are, I think it's fair to say, some imperfections in the American healthcare system, but there are ways that it actually has recently gotten easier. I don't compromise on a lot of things, but I do not love feeling like I can't find the right doctor. For me, and I've gotten very lucky that I have found some good doctors for me. When it comes to your health, there shouldn't be compromise. Don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines slash their family group chat slash their crossword puzzles just because they're available right now or they happen to take your insurance. Instead, like you don't have to keep going back to a doctor who you don't like. You can check out ZocDoc, a place where you can find and book doctors who make you feel comfortable, who listen to you, who prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance type. So literally, no compromises. Because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you think. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more phone calls and waiting on hold with a receptionist. We don't have time for this anymore. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. Booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed, credible doctors and specialists. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even sometimes score same-day appointments. Go to ZocDoc.com slash DearHank and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then you can book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash DearHank. ZocDoc.com slash DearHank. Every time I know it's coming and I'm like, I'm going to have to say ZocDoc.com right now, aren't I? And then I do. I'm getting good at it, everybody. ZocDoc.com. A lot of people out there who probably needed to hear that. So thank you, Dan. Yeah. All right, Hank, before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, uh, we really need to get to this question from Adam. It's one of the, those emergency questions mm. that, that's extremely time-sensitive. Oh, good, perfect. Dear John and Hank, on the 17th episode of the fifth season of the television program Friends, Rachel has an interview with Ralph Lauren, or as I believe I am supposed to say, Ralph Lauren. <laughs> oh, yeah. sorry, I just, I just threw up in the back of my mouth, but I'm okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's how his, it's a man's name. He can pronounce it how he wants. No, I'm not. not it, it, didn't, it didn't have anything to do with Ralph Lauren. I was just remembering Mark Zuckerberg's t-shirt thing. <laughs> On the 17th episode of the fifth season of Friends, Rachel has an interview with Ralph Lauren. When describing the interview to the gang, she says, he said something about a boat. And I was like, well, yeah, if you've got enough life jackets, trust me, it was very funny. I watched this episode two days ago. Way to keep up with the times, Adam. And I have not been able to think of anything else ever since. What in the world could that dude have said to set up that punchline? Please help me. Up and Adam. Uh, John, I have sent you the script yeah. for this episode, like the line-by-line script for this episode of Friends. Can, do you want to do a table read with me real quick? Uh, sh- mm, I mean, in uh, mm, not no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in any case, open up the script. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's do. A, okay. Let's let's do. A, let's do. Let's do this part. I will be Chandler and Joey. Mm-hmm. And and I'll be Rachel. And you'll be Rachel. Okay. So what happened? Ugh, it was horrible. And and the interview part went so well, you know? I even made him laugh. He said something about a boat, and I was like, well, yeah, if you got enough life jackets. <laughs> uh, Chandler and Joey are not amused. Trust me, it was actually, it was very funny. Anyway, so we were saying goodbye, and ugh. What happened? By the way, that was also my previous line. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but now you're Joey. Yeah. Uh, We see a flashback as Rachel describes what happened. All right, we were shaking hands and he kind of leaned toward me. You know, maybe he was going to open the door, but I totally misread him and I... uh, You kissed him? The flashback shows that... Yeah, exactly. Well, I didn't know what else to do. Well, you could have tried not kissing him. Thanks, Chandler. God, there really is a reason we weren't cast as the leads in Friends. (laughs) This has been a performance that reminded the world why my cameo in The Fault in Our Stars was cut. (laughs) I feel like we could do this whole thing and it would be gold every step of the way. But there might be some copyright concerns, so we should probably stop now. So now we have the whole context for this boat joke. Yeah. Any idea? I thought about this for a long time. I even tweeted about it, and I tried to get some suggestions from the, from the broader audience. I'm still a little lost as to what possibly could have been the lead-up to the boat joke. So here's the thing, and I love the television show Friends. It was one of the greatest accomplishments in, in the history of the human story. But this particular brand of joke where you mm. tell a punchline without a setup and you make the punchline as like ludicrous as possible and you never reveal the setup. This is like, I I hate this genre of joke and it's everywhere. <laughs> like once you start yeah. noticing it, it's like, it, it's the ultimate cheat because like, it's very yeah. easy to come up with a punchline. The hard part of a joke <laughs> is the setup. <laughs> Yeah, like Melissa saying, what's upstairs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that 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 joke had both a bad setup and a bad punchline. Like during the I setup. I think it had a good setup and had a bad punchline, but no, I No, during I'll, the I'll setup, I was it. like, this joke has gone on for, for 30 seconds too long. And that's coming from someone, by the way, whose favorite joke is 14 minutes long. Oh, it's so long. Do you mind if I tell it? No, everyone's heard the moth <laughs> joke, John. <laughs> I, so I'm not crazy about this joke. That said, I do think that there are a 
few setups that yeah. could lead to that joke. I feel like if there was a if there was a good setup for that joke, they would have written it. They would have put it, but they were just like, we don't have to. We don't have to like, ah, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just because they've got, we got to write so many jokes. There's like 45 laugh lines in a 22 minute episode. and You just can't do it. I think the obvious setup for the joke would be something along the lines of if your references check out, we would love to bring you aboard. And then Rachel says, only if there's enough life jackets. And that's a pretty good joke. Ah, that's a good joke. But, but it says in the script that he was talking about boats before that. Mm, you've made a good argument. <laughs> That's great. That would have been a good, good thing. All right. That would have been a good joke. All right. So he's talking about boats. I mean, it's talking about, he's talking about boats. So it makes it not funny. Like, there's no way to make it funny, like, to bring up life jackets when we're already talking about boats. Yeah. Like, do you... Do you want to come and do acrobatics on my boat, Monica? Only if you've got enough life jackets. It is a good punchline. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, the more I say it, the more I like it as a punchline. <laughs> well, John and I are just going to start saying that, like, people are going to be like, are you going to make it to the, to the crash course meeting today? Only, Only if, if you've got, got enough, enough life jackets. jackets. Oh, it's really good. I mean, it's a great punchline. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah. Do you mind if we film the podcast 30 minutes late today? Only if you got enough life jackets. <laughs> Hank, are you going to have uh, your, your you know, next chapter of your book into me on time? Only if you got enough life jackets. Oh, it's a great, actually, it's a great punchline. It really, that's what happened. They wrote the punchline and they, they were in the writer's room and they just, they were like, how great is this punchline? And everybody agreed it was the greatest punchline they'd ever heard. The problem is it's only not funny if there's a boat. If it's like, Hank, do you want to go for a boat ride? And I'm like, only if you've got life jackets. It's like, that's just a safety check. (laughs) Right. You're just not a joke. I actually want to know if you've got enough life jackets. The boat is the problem (laughs) because the moment you introduce the the boat, (laughs) then then my mind is like on, well, did did they have enough life jackets? jackets or not <laughs> yeah i hope they had a, yeah because the white river is full of giardia oh god i mean what it, a life jacket ain't gonna save you because once you're in the water you're done <laughs> right it's the flesh-eating bacteria is already in your no, nose i mean you know you're you're gonna survive probably but your okay. your your gastrointestinal system isn't gonna be the same for several months <laughs> And I want it to be the same. All I'm asking from my colon is consistency. Anyway, I didn't think this was going to be as good of a question as it ended up being. Slightly off topic, but one of my all-time favorite bits in Dear Hank and John is when somebody asked us where we wanted to be when we were 50. And I had like a long, winding answer about all the things that I would like to have accomplished and moved on from and whatnot. And then you said, I just still want to have a colon. I mean, it's a really good, like, it's it's one of the ways to focus on your health is to actually think about, like, where do I want this container yeah. for my soul and psyche to be yeah. in 10 years? Like, I want it to be functional, man. Right. Only if you got uh, enough life jackets. <laughs> it works. <laughs> That's the <laughs> the dumbest thing we should okay we should honestly we should (laughs) delete all the previous questions and we should just answer this question for the next 45 minutes (laughs) yeah oh and 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 just upload a one question episode of dear hank and john that's there's no reason not to do that come see us on tour (laughs) 
<laughs> only, only if you got, got enough, enough life jackets. jackets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't even know why it's funny. Anymore. I don't either. But it Sarah is. has a a piece of information that Sarah needs to share with us. I saw this. Yeah. And I don't know if you've heard about it, John. Oh, the Bob but, Ross thing. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Sarah says during a previous Dear Hank and John, uh, a question asker asked where all the Bar- Bob Ross paintings are and whether it's possible to buy them. The New York Times just published a delightful video investigation. It is really delightful. And it turns out that most of them are owned by one particular charming couple. It's the people who like run the Bob Ross painting like supply people. Yeah. And they've just had the like boxes of paintings in the back of their office, like in their warehouse where they send out the paints. And they didn't want to tell anybody because they'd get stolen, probably. And they don't want to sell they're them. They're expensive. Like, they, yeah. they have no interest in selling them, and they don't think Bob Ross would have wanted to sell them. And that's the end of the story. But now they can tell everybody that that's where they've been because they are no longer there. They are in. They are part of the collection of the Smithsonian National Museum of American History. So, boom! Congratulations, Bob Ross. Yeah. And also, all just humans. Yeah. What a great achievement. It is for humanity to have created museums in general. Yeah, and little kicks and paintings and and all of it. All of it, John. Life jackets. <laughs> Tosh also wrote in to say, hey, Hank and John, I wish to inform you that the avocado has become real life. We did it. <laughs> You're going to have to pronounce avocado So the avocado so is an idea from an old episode in which... All the millennials live in avocado-shaped <laughs> homes. And this has really sort of happened. Booking.com has created an avocado an avocado-shaped. It's, as far as I can tell, and there are no interior pictures, which I find highly suspicious. But as far as I can <laughs> tell, it's like a, a nine-foot-long trailer that is yeah. avocado Clad is like clad <laughs> in avocado green. Yeah. And it is yeah, a, no, not avocado green. It is it the they shaped a whole avocado around it. Yeah. It is available. And I assume it has a door somewhere. Right. It is available for like three nights. So right in the center of Sydney, Australia. So if you've ever thought to you yourself, I want to sleep in the middle of like a large public square in Sydney, Australia, in a tiny right. avocado shaped trailer. Well, but yes, it's, it's a very, very large avocado, a very, very small place to live. Yeah, as you would expect from from an avocado. So it does it does exist. Albeit as a marketing gag. Hank, Mm -hmm. what's the news from Mars? John, in news from Mars, you may have heard that it's a terrible place there uh, and not an easy place to uh, make food particularly. And there are some hopes that we could at some point maybe heat the planet up enough that like water could exist on the surface. And there were some initial ideas that we could like vaporize all the carbon dioxide on the planet and that would create enough gas in the atmosphere to have enough of a greenhouse effect that water could be liquid on the surface. But we've done math and it looks like even if we turned every atom or every molecule of CO2 into gas, it wouldn't be enough Mm. to heat up the planet. Mm. So instead, 
of trying to heat up the whole planet, a team of scientists from Harvard, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and the University of Edinburgh decided to aim for a more focused strategy testing aerogel. Do you know what aerogel is, John? I don't. It's the it's the least dense substance we've ever created. Oh, cool. It's, it's made of silica, but it's 99% air. Mm. So it's, you know, like air can't pass through it, but it is like, it's pretty hard. And it's extremely light because it's almost all air. And it has some really great properties for Mars. It's a great insulator, uh, which could let some like sunlight pass through it, but then not let air escape from it. And they did a proof of principle experiment that showed that when uh, they shined a light approximating Martian sunlight onto a two to three th- centimeter thick aerogel, they were able to heat the area under the gel over 50 degrees Celsius. Uh, and being able to get the surface temperature to that, uh, like that much warmer, going up 50 degrees would be enough to get ice water to melt and create pools of livable areas on Mars. Uh, And so that's a thing that they were doing some research on. Wait, so we'd have like like domes? Right. So yes, domed areas, domed with instead of like glass with aerogel that would Hmm. hold the air in, but also hold the uh, like it would be a really great insulator. Right. So light could actually pass through it. Most good insulators are opaque. Right. Um, so light could pass through it. It would get warmer and then there could be some liquid water. Right. So we wouldn't have to actively warm it. There could be passive warming on Mars. Well, that's promising. Maybe we could do that here on Earth it, because as we all know, it's getting so cold. Is there any way, has anybody come up with a real good strategy for, for instance, cooling the average global temperature? <laughs> there are some ideas, yes. Okay, I think we should invest in those. Not you and I personally, uh, I mean, but I mean as a species. The big the big one is release less carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. <laughs> the- it's a good one. It's a great idea. I like it a lot as a concept. Well, Hank, in good news. Oh, good. I'm glad. AFC Wimbledon have played six, six preseason friendlies. We went to Germany. We went to Brentford. We went to most of the major places. How are the kicks? Well, of those six games, we won none, but we also tied none. <laughs> we lost okay. uh we lost to Brentford, Bristol City, Kickers Offenbach, which you know that's fun. It's always fun to lose to a German team. Kickers Offenbach? Yeah, Kickers Offenbach. We also lost to a, a team named FC Kaiserslautern. Kaiserslautern? <laughs> FC Kaiserslautern, okay. who I believe play in okay. the uh 17th division of uh German football. You make them up? I think they're comprised entirely of nine year olds. <laughs> okay. And we lost to them one nil. Uh then we lost to Bournemouth who are a Premier League team, oh so that's that's to be expected. Mm. Then we lost 2-0 to Plymouth Argyle, who are a league below us in League 2. So mm. the good news is that preseason doesn't matter. They call it preseason for a reason. We're just learning. We're trying to figure <laughs> out which players to play. Do we play the, yeah. the very handsome young man with the master's degree? Do we play Joe Piggott, etc.? Do you still have a Joe Piggott? We still have a Joe Piggott. And in fact, uh, despite the rumors linking him to a championship side, it appears that no championship side is particularly interested in him at the moment. So good. Hands off our Joe Piggott championship sides. Oh, okay. Uh, 
That is it. Is that really bad, though? Is it really bad that we have lost six out of six preseason games? I mean, I would have yeah. rather have won six out of six. Yes. Is it a bad sign? Is the kicking not good? It's hard to know if it's a bad sign. Look, the season starts on August 3rd against Rotherham. Okay. And if we lose to Rotherham, I mean, obviously it's too soon to panic, but that's not going to stop me. <laughs> Sounds about right. Oh, boy. AFC Wimbledon's next season really can be summarized with the phrase, only if you have enough life jackets. (laughs) And you know they don't. It's going to be such an adventure. Hank, we stayed up on goal difference last year, and the year before that, we stayed up by one point. So, uh, you know, we we can't get any closer to relegation, literally, without being relegated. (laughs) As you've spent more time in League One, is there some way to, like, build the buffer? The solution to this problem is not playing Mm. in the smallest stadium in the football league. And to do that, we have to build the new stadium. All right. Well, I hope that that's happening and that lots of good people are getting their urinals named after them. John... Thank you for making a podcast with me. I enjoy it, and I missed last week. Also, John, did you know this is our 200th episode? Whoa! God, we've been doing this a long time. Thanks to everybody who's listened even to four of these. Yeah. Well, I hope it was this one, because I I think it was good. (laughs) Yeah, I'd put it in the top 50. Yeah, of the 200. Yeah. It's a, it's in the top 25th percentile. You can uh, you can come see it live, too. Uh, we're going to try to get those edited up and released as, as uh, podcasts in the feed as well. But you can see us in Madison or Minneapolis in August. So that's coming up soon. It's less than a month away. Get your tickets now. Thanks, everybody, for you know, having this podcast be a real thing. I really, we really like it. And we like that you're all part of it. And thanks so much for all the questions you send in. They're so good and weird. Yeah, thanks. You can email us your questions at hankandjohn at gmail.com. The podcast is edited by Joseph Tuna Medish. Our head of community and communications is Victoria Bongiorno. It's produced by Rosiana Hulse Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. The music that you're listening to right now and at the beginning of the podcast is by The Great Gunnarola. We're off now to record our Patreon-only podcast this week in Ryan's over at patreon.com slash dear hank and john thank you again for listening and as they say in our hometown don't don't forget forget to be be awesome. awesome